0: about that one. We're getting used to the new sound stuff. Thank you, Mr. Babb. Let's give our worship team a round of applause and say thank you for all their efforts. We certainly serve a worthy God. May we do so today. I'm going to read from Mark before we introduce our speaker here this morning. Mark chapter 9. sincerely appreciate the efforts of our worship team and all the extra extra time that they put in allowing us to connect with and worship each and every week. Mark 9:14 through 24 would you stand with me as I read this passage? <clears throat> Jesus heals a boy possessed by an impure spirit is the title here. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they... it has been often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Verse 24, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Would you pray with me? Father, each of us in this room is uh, wrestles at times in some way, shape, or form with our belief. Maybe it's in something specific or maybe in the greater picture. So as we enter a time where we have come from a, a time of worship and into your word, I pray for the hearts of each one in this room. I pray for those that are struggling to believe in the truth of God's word and the almighty gospel. I pray that you would draw them near, that you would give them revelation um, here this morning. And I pray for those individual specific things that that come upon each one of us at times. Maybe there's a specific story in Scripture or an element that we struggle with. Father, give us more and more belief in you, more and more faith in you, that we may live lives that are honoring and glorifying to you. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we are going to, you can stay standing as we welcome Daniel Longmore up here from Evangelical Free Church in GI. Some of you know this face. We're grateful to have him here today. Thank you.
1: Thank you for the opportunity to come here. Thank you for showing me your bright, beautiful smiles on this wonderful cold morning. Like you said, I am... From Grand Islands E Free Church. I've been the youth pastor there for eight years. And uh, my son went here last year. He goes to the academy in Grand Island this year. But so I've always loved this place. Is there a way to make me quieter? Thanks. I get loud and I'm nervous when I start this loud. <laughs> it's going to get loud. Um, there's a theme in scripture that we're going to talk about today and it is completely upside down from what the world teaches what we uh, strive for when we're in the world and it's completely backwards from what jesus would have from us it's completely backwards from what the holy spirit tries to bring out of us and yet It's a theme that I, and almost certainly you, struggle to obey. Oh, that's better. Thank you. Struggle to obey a lot. And it's the theme of humility. It is the theme of putting self to death and living for Christ. It is the theme of putting others in front of yourself as you're serving Jesus with your life. The passage we're going to look at today is James chapter 4. Now, about James, how many of you have ever had a coach in your life? Whether it's on a team, whether it's just in life in general, a person that you called coach. A few of you. A lot of you now there's a couple different kinds of coaches there's the kind of coach that comes alongside you helps you is really kind and generous and hey you'll get it next time that was good effort way to go and then there's the kind of coach i'll call it the old school coach and instantly a lot of us just had a picture go in our head of someone screaming at you a lot, yelling loudly every time there's a mistake made. There's a lot of loud voices coming from the old school coach. Biblical writers, same thing. There's some that are really kind and some letters that are really, really nicely worded. Hey, you're doing good. This one thing could you do better at? Hey, hey, you're doing great. Keep going. And then there's James. He's the old school one. I had a college group that we did a Bible study through the book of James one time. And one of the students said the big idea of James is roasty and toasty because he's going to roast the heck out of us. And by the end of it, we're going to be burnt like toast. And I thought, that really sums it up. And every time I go to James, I'm reminded of just how intense it gets and how intense it stays. So please open with me to James 4. And here's the setting. James is writing to Christians who have undergone great persecution so now they've become cowardly in their faith. They're attempting to hide their faith in order to achieve comfort. They want to be comfortable. They don't want to go out, make their faith known, live for Christ the way they're supposed to. They're living for comfort, and their selfish desires begin to seep in. And James thinks this is unbelievable that we would ever do that, that a single Christian in the history of the world, would desire comfort over growth. And, the, and, and one of the themes of James is growth is the priority of all of life. From the moment you say, Jesus, I want to follow you, take my life, from that moment until you die, your goal should be growth, spiritual growth, rather than comfort. And in 2024, America, we tend to like our comfort. I like anything as long as I can sit on my couch eating cheese balls while doing it. I'll, you know, I I may, I, I will do whatever you want from me so long as, so long as it's not hard, so long as it's not a challenge, so long as I don't feel pressure in any In any way. And to Jesus' half-brother James. This is unbelievable. That we would actually consider. Our selfish desires. Before his desires. Because he sees the danger. He sees the danger that comes from our self-desires. He sees the danger. And he's like. "Well, My brother died. To separate you from the very things you're trying to cling to. That's weird. That's weird. And we get to James 4. And he goes hard after our selfish desires. So please listen. Read along. James 4, I'm going to read verses 1 through 12. What causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this, your passions? That are at war within you. You desire. So you do not have. And you do not have. So you murder. You covet. You cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You do not receive. Because you ask wrongly. To spend it on your own selfish passions. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world. Is enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose? The scripture says he jealously yearns over the spirit he has made to dwell in us. But he gives grace. He gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law And judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's only one lawgiver and one judge. He who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? So it's separated kind of into four sections. It starts with what we could see. Our relationship with people. Then it diagnoses why our relationship with people are the way it is by giving us our relationship with God. Your relationships with people are bad because of your relationship with God that is currently bad. So then we fix it. And the second half is let's fix our relationship with God and in turn, our relationship with people will be fixed. We start with our relationship with people. Quarrelsome. Lots of fights. Why? Because of our passions, our selfish passions. And you think about it. What causes fights between you and someone else? Good chance. It's one of two things. Number one, you want something that you don't have, you feel like you deserve something that you don't have, or number two, someone else has something or does something that you don't think they should have. We think we deserve something, or we think someone else doesn't deserve something. So we fight, so we quarrel. And it starts with this selfish passion, selfish desire inside of us. We're listening to selfishness rather than looking at our relationship with Christ and how we gave self over to Him and put it on the cross with Him. Instead, we say we want that back. That was fun. We want that back. So we fight our selfish desires. Fight with other people. Now, how many of you are Star Wars fans? A few of you, and I'm guessing a few more of you, are already asleep, so you didn't hear that question. So, earlier this week, my wife and I and our kids, we watched Star Wars, and I had a thought in Episodes 2 and 3, and to those of you who haven't seen it, I'll try not to spoil it. But there's a person that's really, really powerful and is also um, conflicted. See, he wants to be this thing called a Jedi, And he's really powerful, so he probably should be a Jedi. Except, he's conflicted, because a Jedi, in order to be this, almost like a superhero type of person, you have to say no to attachments. You have to say no to your own desires so that you can use these powers for the greater good of society. And one of our main characters has a problem with that. And he, desi- or he decides to hold on to his attachments, even as his power grows and grows and grows. And my wife, and one of the things is you can't get married because that's an attachment. And my wife said, if only they would have let Jedi get married, then a lot of the issues of Star Wars would have been avoided. And I said, it's actually, I would say the issue is, he needed to weigh that decision at the door, if I want attachments, I should not pursue this life. If I want these attachments and the things that go along with it, which are good and noble things, have a family, have a great life, don't pursue this path. It was that the person wanted his cake and he wanted to eat it too. He wanted the powers, he wanted the training, and he wanted the attachments, and he never said no to it. When the desire is small, that's when you take care of it. Us as Christians, when we said to Jesus, I want to follow you, I want to give you my life, I trust in you, that decision needed to be weighed at the door. What are the things that I am going to struggle to give up? And the problem with a lot of our spiritual walks is we try to cling to the things that Jesus is so desperately trying to separate us from. So it causes fighting. It causes quarreling. Our selfish desires start to see people as competition and the opposition. But it goes deeper than this. Verses four, or verses three and four says, yeah, this all really starts with where are you with God? Are you walking with him? Or are you walking with the world? And the heart can't have two masters. So if you're choosing the world, it's going to show itself. A poisonous tree that you're attached to is going to show poisonous fruit in your life. And we like to be able to hide That part of it, problem is, God doesn't want you to hide it. So if you have a poison in your heart, he doesn't want it to sit there and fester. He actually wants it to show itself, so maybe it'll get our attention, and we'll start to deal with it. James doesn't mince words about this. He calls his people, his audience, adulterers. It's like Hosea, if you're familiar with the book of Hosea. God makes a prophet marry a prostitute so that he can get Israel's attention that in your relationship with God, you are prostituting yourself and marrying yourself with false gods. Yikes! Adulterers. So, You start with being connected to a tree that is poisonous. You're connected with the world. You're married to the world. You want the things of the world. And they dangle this sweet, poisonous temptation in front of you, saying you get to have your own desires. You follow me, you get to have what you want. Here's the thing, though, with, with that. You can't control your selfish desires. None of us can. Two options. Let it grow until it can control you or put it to death. But it doesn't get to be the cute little thing you keep hidden away in your heart. Kind of, kind of like you ever notice how if, if I'll say like a pit bull barks at people, you take it really seriously if a chihuahua barks at people, you giggle. Oh, when it's cute and little and fluffy, I can like it. It's fun. I'll pet it. If it bites at me, I'll giggle some more because it didn't, it didn't hurt. But then if a bigger one does it, whoa, 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 we need to take this seriously. Should we get it some training? Should we take it to a class? What do we need to do? Should we keep it locked up? And it scares us because it's big. And the thing with our selfish desires and passions is it will not stay small. It will grow and it will eventually overtake you unless we put it to death. And we can see if our heart is in a good place with God based on the fruits that we are showing. Are we fighting with each other? Are we quarreling with each other? Are we starting to see people as competition and opposition that we need to be better than, have more than? Take care of your heart. Look inwardly. And I think we'll find a poisonous tree that we're connected to rather than God. So, let's fix this. You have issues in your life. Stemming from issues with your relationship with God, let's fix this. How do we fix this? Submit to God. Submit to God. And that that word, submit to God, because he opposes the proud, he'll actually give grace to those who are humble. Again, this is the theme, humility. Being humble before God rather than selfish, rather than uh, lifting up self, you are putting yourself down low so that God would be seen higher. That's why it's backwards. If you want to receive, you have to give. If you want life, you have to put to death. If you want to grow, you have to help others grow. It's backwards, and yet it's the way that Jesus tells us. So, Starts with submitting to God. Now, how many of you are wrestlers? Okay. Now, I like wrestling. Really like wrestling. When I was in college, we had what we called a fight night. At this fight night, we put down wrestling mats in a dorm lounge. And you were able to go and you were able to challenge someone in a style of martial arts that you wanted to do. And I was there, I was having a lot of fun. Boys will be boys. And eventually, no one was challenging anyone, and I said, hey, I wanna wrestle someone. Someone wanna just get up and wrestle me. And this kid gets up, and I look at him. I thought, oh, this will be easy. And we start wrestling, and it was easy. I get him to his back very fast. If you don't know wrestling, the whole point of it is to get him or her to lay down on their back facing up and you're on top of them and they can't move. I did that very fast. And a strange thing happened. His arm went around my neck and the breath left my lungs as my neck was forced upward and I could not breathe and the lights began to go dim and I thought I was winning until I wasn't and I start doing the only thing I could think of I started tapping on his sides let me go let me go let me go and he lets go I said dude what were you doing we were wrestling and he said dude that's what I was doing I was wrestling, and I realized in that moment, we were using the same word in two very different ways. I was thinking of the normal wrestling. He was thinking of like a submission type of wrestling. Now, the difference in those two styles, my way, you never give up, you never stop working, you never stop moving, Until he is pinned and you're on top. That's a dangerous thing to do when wrestling his way. Submission, it's an interesting word because it means you still have fight left in the tank and you willingly lay down your arms. You say, for the greater good of my health and well being, I'm gonna stop fighting now. I could keep going. It's going to result in, and you see this in like the UFC every now and then, someone will break something and still try to fight. Submission refers to I have fight left in the tank. I'm going to willingly stop fighting. So with God, I still have these desires. I still want to do things. I still want to be my my own person and do the things that I want That word submit says, yeah, you could keep fighting. It will end poorly for you. You're not going to like the result. So while you still have breath left in your lungs, you still have fight left in your spirit. Lay down, submit. There's a difference between getting knocked out and submitting. Knocked out means you don't have any fight left. I didn't, you know, fall to the floor head first, unconscious, willingly. I did that because I had no fight left. I tap out and submit when I still have fight. And I say this would be unhealthy and unwise. I will stop the fighting now. You win. We were to submit to God. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. I cling to that that promise. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And then repent. Cleanse your hands, cleanse your minds, cleanse your hearts of the sin that has been on them. So we're quarreling, we're fighting. Why? Because we have a bad relationship with God. I take, so take those like, Quarrels, take those fights, kind of like an alarm clock. I think of temptation like this as well. It's, it's an alarm clock going off in my head that says, I'm starting to see poisonous fruit. Look to the tree. Look to the one inside of you. And really, in my experience, in times when I'm tempted to sin, when I'm tempted to fight, when I'm tempted to quarrel, and I see other people as enemies or opposition, When I start to see that, that's an alarm clock going off saying, you're not connected to God enough. Go back. Separate yourself for a few moments. If not for a few days. Separate from the world. Focus on God. Get in his word. Pray. If you're having poisonous fruit, look to the tree inside. Is it a poisoned tree like the world or is it a healthy tree trying to produce good fruit like the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us. If that's the case, what do we need to do? Turn, submit to God. Take his ways as, you, as your own ways. Wretch, be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. That's verse 9. That's weird. So I'm supposed to be sad? Oh, that's a good sales pitch. I have to be sad? But yeah, when you recognize, and James would have, you think of James. James would have seen his brother as an enemy while he was on earth. This guy is a lunatic. He's out of his mind. You think he felt guilty about that when he saw his brother raised from the dead? You wonder what secret things James whispered to Jesus when he was on earth. What kind of secret things do you say to your siblings? I would imagine James has said terrible things to Jesus. And there's something about James later on. And you could only say it's because he saw the risen, his brother rise from the dead as the risen Savior. If that's the case, if that's the case, Then he's telling us, your sin should cause you to weep. Your sin and my sin should humble us. And we feel terrible. There's a soberness to it. Jesus, I hate the fact that it took your death to free me of sin. And I hate the fact that even now knowing that, tonight I will still turn to sin. And it makes me mourn. And I don't have happiness in that same way anymore. Because I see my own responsibility in this matter. It should lead us to mourn. It should lead us to a type of gloom. And honestly, I would say that's probably when it's working. When you have a desire for your own self, it's going to look very different from when you have a desire for God's ways. Because when you have a desire for God's ways and you see failure in it from people, from sinful people, it should make us frustrated. It should make us weep. Once your heart is in that place, and I'll close on this, once your heart's in that place, what will life look like with your relationships with others? You won't speak evil of another. How could you? How could you speak ill of another when you're too busy praising God for what God has given to that person? When your relationship with God is strong, you won't see people as opposition, as competition. Instead, you'll praise God for who they are. You'll praise God for what they have. You'll praise God for what he's doing in their life. How could I speak evil against them? And when I'm mourning over my sin, how could I judge a brother or a sister? I'm worse than them. I used to think Paul was being sarcastic when he said that he's the worst of all sinners. It's like, Paul, you were before Hitler. I get it. You don't know. But the older I get, the more I'm convinced Paul's not the worst sinner. He's second only to me. And I think spiritual growth does that to us because as we have that relationship with God, we will see our own sin and our depravity and we're going to weep, we're going to mourn, we're going to have gloom, which also leads us to praise him all the more. And when we do that, how could we have a bad relationship with people? How could we cause quarrels and fights when we're worse than them? So as we go from here, What does your heart look like? You'll know by what your life looks like. Are you connected to a poisonous tree like the world and therefore bearing poisonous fruits? Or are you connected to God regularly, deeply, intimately, intentionally, and therefore your life is producing fruit? James does a great job of showing us what can be wrong, why it's wrong, how we can fix it, and what it would look like from there. Let's pray. God, thank you that James doesn't mince words. He does not give us a false sense of security or hope, but instead hits us where we need to. He gives us messages that Maybe we're too afraid to think about on our own. And you use the the book of James to draw out from us sanctification. God, I pray for us in this room that spiritual growth would be the goal. And if so, that we would be humble. That we would put to death the desires of our heart. And that our heart would align with yours and want the things of you. Thank you for these students and this body here. Would you bless them and allow them to see you in great and wonderful ways? Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.